Combo Nation. What is up, everyone? NBA draft season is here. And today we bring you an NBA draft centric episode of Combo's Court. Don't forget to rate, review, punch down on that. Subscribe button. You know what it is. And today's show, Nathan Grubel of No Ceilings joins in to talk NBA draft. We discuss Marquise Noel declaring, Wemby's floor, plus much more, man. You can find Nathan on Twitter at Draft Deeper. That's D-R-A-F-T-D-E-E-P-E-R. You know you can catch me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Nathan, man, I've been excited about this episode. It's always great talking draft. How are you, man? Nathan, draft deeper, no ceilings. What's the vibes? We are T minus 11 weeks out from draft day, Andrew. So this is, I mean, we're, we are, we're right in the belly of the beast. This is, this is my time of year. It's my favorite time of year. This is when we really have to nail down a lot of evaluations. We're getting a lot of the stock updates. We're right in front of Portsmouth the invitational and then after not too long after that you know we're going to get the lottery the nba draft combine so this is really when a lot of it heats up and and it's it's time to talk nba draft it's definitely nba draft season that's one thing that is for sure <laughs> all right let's start with your general draft thoughts and how they change over the year i mean mine are pretty simple it's just it feels like a lot of wings like i know we got a point guard and a alien at the top but it's just like wings on wings on wings on wings in my opinion it's it's a lot of wings and forwards for sure, but that's that's great news for the NBA, right? That's the the positional archetype that wants to be filled. I guess that it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Like, <laughs> is that just the time we're in? Is there happen to be a lot of wings, or just players are playing more like wings? It's like either like a big who might be a wing or a guard who might be a wing. There's a lot of that going on. There, there is. I, I I think it's it's a multitude of things. Well, well, first of all, I, I don't think big men ever left. Right. Big men have, have been here to stay. Them. They've just had to evolve. Right. Yes, and yes. and for the most part, they have. And you see that in the, the most evolved species that we could talk about at the top of the draft and Victor Wamanyama. But I think I think on the guard side, it's become so hard to stick as a smaller guard. And when I say smaller guard, I'm talking like six foot two and under. Right. 100%. Because of where the game's gone, like every single positional group has gotten bigger to an extent and it might not it might not show itself in terms of like the average NBA height across the board by position but when you look at essentially the top of the top of those positional groups the best players are like plus positional size nowadays right plus size plus length so for those guards to navigate traffic play amongst the trees I just feel like it's a little bit different nowadays and and to or in order to hold on to one of those spots as a guard you need to be amongst the best of the best like you need to be like a Scoot Henderson type Unless, or I'm not going to give you as high of a grade on my draft bar. I'm going to have you like a late first, early second round grade, even if you're just good, right? And we saw that, I mean, Kennedy Chandler just got waived but by the Memphis Grizzlies. And he was a guy who I know a lot of people who had him like a lottery 
to the top 20 grade. I didn't have him that high. I know Ty Ty Washington's had some good games in the G League, but a little bit of mixed results. So it's like when you have a positional group that's been fluctuating as much as it has over the last few years, that sort of makes it more of like a wing forward heavy group to begin with, because that's what everyone wants to evaluate for. Those are the guys who are going to get a lot of the buzz. So those are the guys you see pushed up the board and you see some of those guards pushed further down the board, but that doesn't make it impossible for guards to succeed though. I mean, hell the Andrew Nemhard went in the second round last year and he might be a guy who I, I know coach David Thorpe. I might even come to the same conclusion. He might be like a first team all rookie. So it, it, it there, there's a lot that fluctuates. Yeah, I actually talked about this with Keandre of Hoop Intellect recently. Shouts to Keandre. And I was telling him, like, the six foot two and under bucket getter, that position is almost extinct. Like, it don't even matter if you're like a top 200 player in the world at that position. Like, there's just not roster spots for you because there's so many yep. roster spots for the six, six to six, nine wing that can slide their feet and shoot yep. the three. Yep. A hundred percent. Those those smaller guards. Yeah. If you if you are that six foot two and under type player. You have to you have to you have to be able to make plays for others. You can't just be a score first guy. Otherwise, a lot of those guys they're, they're not making it as far as the NBA. They're they're playing in the G League. They're getting great jobs overseas, but it's not you know it's not what we used to see. Yeah, I mean something I wanted to talk to you about today, um, Marquise Noel. Obviously, he's a smaller guy. I mean, at the NBA level, things might get interesting on the defensive side for him, but he's not only a bucket getter. Like he could really run a team. He declared yep. for the NBA draft recently. How do you feel about his game? He's going to be fun to watch at summer league. I'll tell you that. He's going to be fun to watch at summer league. I think he, he has a chance to, to tear up the G league. And, and if worse comes to worst, I think he could still make a lot of money overseas, right? He He's a pro. No, there's no doubt about it. It's just in terms of being an NBA guy, it's, it's not just the playmaking, but when we break down the scoring, you have to be able to finish at the rim at some level, right? You have to be some sort of threat when you get two feet in the paint. He has not been that at, at Kansas State, and that's really like the biggest concern for me, some of what I saw in the tournament when he gets shut down once he gets two feet in the paint. Some of his game kind of falls apart naturally, and so that's why the, these heavy perimeter-based smaller guards who, if they're not making jump shots, the, the same angles, the same passing windows, they're not as open. Right? Am, am, am I wrong about that? Or you're not. You you're not. You're not wrong, and I, I agree with you. I hope we're both wrong, and he gets into the NBA. But it's oh, like, I love him. He, yeah. is, he was so fun to watch, especially no, during March I mean, he's a New York City guy, so I'm always cheering for the yes. New York City guys. But it's like it's not even about Marquise. Like, do you see a situation where any five A player, like how many five A players are in the league right now? There are none. There are none. So there is one player in the NBA right now who's five foot eleven, and then everyone else is six. Are foot you above. serious? There's That's nobody the research. So when right. I published my research on NoSillingsNBA.com about a month ago, when I was going through what actually makes up a player who plays twenty plus minutes per game, I was I was looking at average height. I was looking at the shortest guys, some of the tallest guys, and when I was doing that research, yeah, there's one guy in the NBA. I, I can't tell you the name off the top of my head, but there was one who's five foot eleven. Everyone else is six foot plus right now. Yeah, so it's not really a Marquise Noel conversation. It's just like a six and under conversation. Correct. <laughs> and, and can, could you like figure out a created player in your brain that's 5'8 that could play in the NBA today? I mean, we've had guys who have done it, right? Obviously, like Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. Thomas is, it, but that's even like prime Isaiah Thomas is a while ago already. Exactly. So it's like the, the most recent guy who's been in and out has been like a Chris Chioza who came out of Florida. He was like a Portsmouth guy. He's had cups of coffee in the NBA and stuck around a little bit. He's primarily been a G League guy, though. And like, I, I think Marquise Noel is definitely better than somebody like him. But that just shows like the type of bar you have to clear. Like Isaiah Thomas has had 
one of the most prolific offensive seasons we've had from a guard period in NBA history. So like, it's just really hard for those guys to really stick around in the NBA. They can get opportunities. Like I, I believe Noel's going to get an opportunity, right? Whether he sticks for, you know, multiple years, that's a different conversation. Yeah. And he might be a better basketball player than some six, eight guy that could slide his feet and shoot the three and maybe doesn't have that many other skills. And that guy will get, and if he has some potential, some athletic upside, he's going to get that roster spot. A hundred percent. And that's, that's just, that's, it's unfortunate to an extent, right? But that's, that's just the nature of the beast in the NBA game. Most definitely. Okay. So I wanted to start with a broader, I guess we started already. I wanted to get to a broader draft question for you. How much does efficiency matter for you? Cause I remember when uh, Anthony Edwards is coming out and there was like some, you know, pushback on him being number one, they pointed to the efficiency and I'm like, you got to watch the video. I mean, how effortlessly mm-hmm. this guy gets his shot off, how athletic he is. I mean, there was no doubt he had the highest chance to be a superstar in the NBA. I know people are pointing to Hood Shafino this year and his efficiency, and maybe that might mm-hmm. drop his stock slightly, but what are your thoughts on efficiency in general? I look at more at the shot and how it looks. Free throw percentage is probably the most important to me when it comes to percentage because I feel like guys will get smarter over time especially if they have like a high load and there's just not as much spacing in college right mm-hmm. so it might not look great at times but what are your thoughts on efficiency in general I I think it matters for sure but I think context is key and and more importantly the type of role that player is playing in college or, or whatever league they may be before they get to the NBA right so if you're projecting the player to have a, a higher volume role in the NBA, like for them to hit their ceiling, but they're a high volume, low efficiency guy in college. I'm I'm not going to buy into that player quite as much with the exception of someone who has those outlier physical traits. Like you talked about Anthony Edwards, right? Like that, the game just comes so naturally to him in terms of what he's able to do. And you you can extend that conversation, not just Jalen Huchifino. You can, you can have that conversation at the top of the draft with Scoot Henderson. Everybody's been nailing Scoot Henderson for what he did in the last month to month and a half in the G League. But when I watch somebody like Scoot, Andrew, I've never once thought the game was hard for him. I do think when I watch him, it's just so easy for him. So even when the shot's not falling, I'm confident a guy like that who I know is going to put in the work, who has a good head on his shoulders. Like, I, I think he's going to hit his ceiling regardless. So that's why I'm still higher on somebody like Scoot. And to an extent, Jalen Hood Shafino he plays the game the right way. Right. And he's had some turnover issues. He's had some shooting issues, but his best games, man, you can compare his best games to anyone in this draft class. And he may have some of the best prospect games we've seen all year. So that context is definitely key. I will give some grace to those guys who, as you kind of said, before you asked me the question are being asked to play a role. They're likely not going to be asked to play in the NBA, right? If they do have more on their plate than they're probably going to have in the NBA, you see like a low efficiency output from them. Well, if you see the confidence in their shot, if you see the the mental makeup, as far as their game is concerned, if you see these other things come to play, then you would expect if their role diminished a little bit, then the efficiency would probably go up for them. So it's, it's context really is, is what it comes down to. You mentioned Scoot. Um, you know, on this podcast, we talked a lot about in the past. We've talked about Brandon Miller and Anthony Black, and obviously Scoot and Wemby. So I can't wait for you to hear your thoughts on some of the other guys we're going to talk about today. But I do actually want to talk to you about Wemby and the Metropolitan Ninety Two as a general, because you know you mentioned Scoot and the Ignite. I feel like they're almost like the Ignite of Europe in a way. Like they got some young <laughs> yeah. players, they got some veterans around them. 
now this isn't a new thing in Europe. Like a lot of the top European teams will have like a second division team with their young guys. Mm -hmm. But I mean, this is a top division team. Obviously they want to win, but the focus is development with this team. And more specifically, it's Wemby, right? Like let's build around Wemby. Let's let Wemby develop because that's why he's here. They had that agreement pretty much. Like it's pretty obvious, but you know, they actually have two NBA draft prospects and Bilal is showing some stuff. And I know you've been really high on him lately. What do you think about his game? So everyone's watching Metropolitan's 92 for Thurman Yama. Yeah, and, but... that, and, that's a, and that's another question I wanted to ask you. Do you think that helps Bilal? Because obviously there's a lot of eyes on Metropolitan 22, or it takes away from him a little bit because all the attention goes to Wemby and they feel like this team is a Wemby team. It, it, no, I, I think it's a positive for him. It gives him opportunity, right? Yeah. It gets more eyes on his game that that's why you would see it, it doesn't shock me at all that they were able to put some of the veterans around Victor that they were able to, because those guys know, Hey, if I'm playing with this guy, who's going to have eyes on him every single game, they're going to broadcast these games on, on the NBA app and everywhere else for crying out loud. This might be my opportunity. If I play well to come back stateside and, and maybe come back to the NBA, if I can show some things on tape or yeah, yeah, right, somebody right. like Bilal Koulibaly, right? He's getting opportunity now to be seen by many for, for starters because he's torn up the, the junior division, right? So this is a guy, he's averaged 22 points, six rebounds, two and a half assists in the junior division. He's shot really well from all levels of the floor. I believe 2.5, 2.6 steals a game over a block a game. Like he is dominating. He's a six foot six listed wing. It would not shock me, Andrew. I think he's actually a little bit bigger than that. I think he's around six foot seven. If I'm like trying to eyeball it on if he tape. Can if he can move like that at six, seven, because we talked about how uh, smaller guards aren't in the NBA anymore, but he moves like a six, one guard. He moves like a guard. I think yeah. he, in terms of like a pure wing, he may have the best Euro step for a pure wing yes, I've yes. ever evaluated. Like his footwork is impeccable. He gets to the rim so effortlessly. He's, yeah. he's a very smart player. He understands offensive sets. He understands what the coach is calling for him. He's never seen out of place. He takes shots within rhythm. And then on the defensive end, he has ability because of how big he is. He's, he's strong. He's a well-built wing. Like he's actually listed. Real GM has him at 230 pounds. I don't know if I 100% believe that weight, but he plays big. Like he finishes through contact and he bodies people up. They have the him at what end. weight? They have him at 230 pounds on, on, on real. I would have guessed 205 just watching the video. I, I would, I would probably guess, I think a little big, I, I'd probably eyeball like 215. Right. But like, we okay. can agree that like 230 seems, uh, that's yeah, big. because that's like closer to like an Anthony Edwards type body frame and he doesn't look like anthony edwards out there of walt so bryce sensabaugh was listed ohio state 6'6 235 pounds okay. so like he, he he doesn't look like bryce um yeah. but but he is built well so you like you break down the physical tools the interior scoring the improving pull-up jump shooting how he plays within himself plays within the offense defensive upside the athletic package like you just put all these things together andrew it's like this is the type of player the nba is is looking for like what just just because we haven't been talking about him all year doesn't mean that he can't rise up boards. This is this is what happens what happened with Jalen Williams last year. Now I get it; those are two different players, and I'm not directly comparing those two. But in terms of the situation, it's not impossible for us to get a late riser like this. And I'm I'm drinking the Kool Aid, man. I told you before we started recording, I've got him twelfth on my big board now, and that 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 if says to me if I'm ready to take him twelfth now then if he wouldn't declare and he'd be a prospect for next year's draft, that means preseason I'm starting him out like top five, top six 
on yeah, my may, board. Maybe I'm, a I'm team, buying into the talent. If he doesn't go that high, maybe a team could get Wemby and him. You never know. Oh, that would be talk talk about one heck of a draft. I'd I'd immediately give that an, an A plus grade. But if I'm if I'm a team out there looking to to build depth and take a swing on some young guys who certainly have that untapped potential. Cool Bali's a guy, if you give him like two years, we could be coming back and he could be like an 18 plus points per game scorer with still more upside to tap yeah. into. Yeah. Wemby recently had his most viral moment. Um, guy shot a step back three. <laughs> Wasn't even like sped up on it, like kind of like shot it with confidence and then followed up his own shot with a put back dunk. Mm-hmm. I know we've seen players do it before, but like we saw the Larry Bird layup. We've seen Dominique dunk it off a miss, but it was never as effortless as I seen it like this with Wemby. Like to be honest, like I've been playing basketball a long time in real life and I've never seen it. And I don't think I ever seen that on a video game. I've, I, I've never seen anything like it period. Like I, my, the first tweet when I saw that was what the hell did I just watch? Like, like <laughs> how, how is that even possible? And that's why you, Victor, Victor to me has no ceiling. I, I am not going to put a ceiling on that man. You want to say he could be the best player of all time. Like fine. Top five, top 10, like w- whatever, whatever you want to say. I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to put a ceiling on him. Yeah, that's fair. No ceiling. Shout to them. Shout to Nathan. <laughs> Shout out to no ceiling. <laughs> you saw what yes, I did sir. there. Okay. But, and that's something I actually wanted to get to because we do know that Wemby be- could become an all-timer if he reaches his ceiling, which probably a ceiling doesn't exist, as you just alluded to. But in full health, what do you feel his floor is? You mean, so when, when we say floor, are you talking about like what I expect him to be like his rookie year in the NBA? Because that's no, kind of no. like... No, what I'm saying, in full health 10 years from now, what do you think is the least best version of Wemby? Probably still a double double guy. Like maybe he's not scoring 20 plus points per game, but maybe he's like around 14, 15, you know, 10, 11 rebounds, two plus blocks, shoot, able to shoot the three, space the floor, like kind of like a floor. Maybe he's not the same playmaker, but like what we're seeing from Evan Mobley right now. Right. Because is, the defense actually, honestly, there's a chance he's going to be better defensively than Mobley just because of the length. Mobley's more agile, but Victor, as you said, he's he's bigger than Mobley. He's longer than Mobley. The, the amount of ground he's able to cover by default. His block right? radius is insane. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's literally insane. Like when Zach Lowe was talking about him on a podcast, it was either with Gavoni or, or Windhorse, somebody who had seen him. Um, but they were talking about how like he can be for uh, on one side of the paint and then he can get to like the backside of that box within like a split second, just because of how long he is. And it's like, when you can cover the entire painted area with like one step and be able to block the shot or like get all the way out of the perimeter and swat somebody's three, like we've seen with some of these more mobile bigs, like that type of player to have in your lineup is so incredibly valuable nowadays. Yeah. I actually just tweeted about this today. Um, the Murray brothers, like there's one thing that's undeniable about them and it's their ability to improve rapidly. Like when I saw Keegan from college, which he was really good to summer league, there was a huge improvement. Like he really seemed like one of those two good for summer league guys as a rookie. Mm -hmm. And they're usually second year guys. And I want you to compare Keegan's and Chris's game. And the interesting thing about that is we couldn't even have that conversation when Keegan was a senior in college. And now we can like Chris is showing a lot at the college level and how would you compare those two as players? So I definitely think Keegan's the better player 
and he's going to be the better player. When I, when I look at Chris Murray, I see him as a spot-up shooter. I, he can take it off the bounce a little bit. He still rebounds well for his position. He's not a total zero on defense, but I don't think he compares to Keegan in terms of a shooter as far as efficiency and volume, mm. as well as being able to shoot it off the move. Like I don't see that for Chris. I think he's more of a spot-up guy. He's not as vertical. He's not as strong. I don't think he has the same post-up game or the same defensive value. So he can still be a good NBA player, despite all those quote-unquote negatives come when compared to that I would have listed. That can still be like a top 25 draft pick, but Keegan Murray went fourth overall for a reason. And, and I don't think in terms of stock, they're they're that comparable as as they one could probably think they could be if they watch the tape back. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. If I'm the Kings and I got a late, first round pick oh, get, I, go get him yeah i prioritize that even and i'm a like swing for the fences type of guy like a high ceiling type of guy like i love those picks mm-hmm. but i think in their situation when vibes are so important there that you definitely prioritize drafting chris murray a hundred percent and like i i have a late first round grade on him that's not technically a knock on him there are just other bets that i would rather make with like a top 25 or a top 20 pick, but that doesn't mean I think Chris is going to be a bad player. I think he's going to be a good player. And if some of those other quote unquote bets don't work out, he could return top 15 value in this draft class. So if you're a playoff team, why not go get a guy like a Chris Murray? A hundred percent. Yeah. I hope to see him on the Kings. That'd be great. It'd be great That'd for be the great. vibes. All right. Grady Dick. Now, when I think of gravity, I think of guys that could shoot and guys that could cut through space and he's, a guy that could do both of that. So I just feel like he's going to be a really good NBA player at the least, obviously one of the best shooters in the draft. What are from your perspective, some of his strengths and some of his improvement areas? I have Grady Dick at 16 on okay. my board. So I, I want I think that's him, pretty much consensus, right? Well, maybe I a little lower. People have him higher. I think people yeah. have him in the lottery. I know okay. there was, there was a buzz at one point where he was like a top 10 potential top 10 pick. I moved him down my board because I, I believe in the spot up equity, right? I think he's going to be a perfect like standstill type guy. I think he can hit a jump shot off one to two dribbles. He actually rates out well in terms of dribble jumpers for that reason. I just, there, there's something about the way that he moves, man. And like, we, we could talk about like We just got done talking about the way Koulibaly moves like as a wing, like Grady Dick does not move in the same way. He's stiffer. He's more upright. I don't project him to be a movement shooter. Like you could like a Jordan Hawkins, somebody who I have a few spots Ahead of Grady Dick, I get that he's 6'8". I get that he offers value in that sense, and he can shoot over a lot of guys. That's great. But I just don't think he's as versatile of an offensive player, even as a shooter, than we might have once thought or might want to project him out to be. And that doesn't say that he still can't be valuable, to your point, and return top 15, potentially top 10 value. But I I just I, I don't see the same things with his game as I think we want to see with him, if that makes sense. Best second round prospects. Obviously, we can't guarantee anybody's going to be second round. They might go first round. They might go mm-hmm. undrafted. But just your opinion on a guy that you think will go second round, but will be a steal at the same time. I listed out. I listed out the five guys who are on my board, thirty-one to thirty-five. I wouldn't be shocked if any of these guys went in the first round. So Jordan Walsh out of Arkansas. Okay. Uh, we we saw his stock really oh, raise he, up in the tournament. I don't. I think he might go first round. I, well, that's what I'm saying. That's why all five of these guys, it wouldn't shock me if they went first round. Yeah, this defensively, he's, he's, he's really interesting defensively. Like, he got some stuff. Defensively, yeah. and I think he has a future as a slasher. I, I really like the way that he handles the ball. I think yeah. he's got some secondary passing upside. Trey Alexander out of Creighton's 32 mm-hmm. on my board. I really like his craftiness as, as a guard. Julian Strother is a guy who I think 
I ultimately think he will go in the first round. I just have him as like an early second round grade on my board. Kyle Filipowski out of Duke and then Trace Jackson Davis out of Indiana. You think Kyle is going second round? He can go first round. I just, I don't have a first round grade on him. His, 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 his tape, his tape scares the crap out of me. He scares me too. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. Like Kyle is a really, really good basketball player. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's just not enough at the NBA level. Not saying he won't be an NBA player, but what I'm saying is like, what NBA niche do you fill? Like, that's always the question. And that's something I can't see yet for Kyle. Not saying it can't happen. Now, if he develops as a shooter, that could totally change. It could. You know who he reminds me of? The comp that I came up with, which is a big reason why he scares me. Who? TJ Leaf. He really reminds me. Like he's like a taller. I think TJ Leaf. Leaf. I think TJ Leaf ended up in Israel, right? And TJ Leaf was a better player in college. Better in his freshman season. He was a better athlete, right? He was a better athlete. He was yeah. a bet. He was a better scorer overall. I, I think the passing is comparable, and I I think TJ Leaf might have actually been better defensively. I feel like Kyle's feel is a little better. It is. I think yeah. his overall feel is a little better. But if that's the type of comparison I'm throwing out, that's not to say that Kyle can't be better. I do think he's going to be a better shooter than than TJ Leaf was. That I don't think that's up for debate. But the rest of their games, I just see them so similarly in that. Am I am I going to take that guy in the first round when I have other guys towards the, the end of like, let's just go through. Let's just really, really quick. Let's just go through like the, the 25 through 30 on my board. I have Marcus Sasser, CD Sissoko, Chris Murray, Gigi Jackson, Noah Clowney and Nick Ooh, Smith. You have Gigi Jackson pretty late, too. I do. But yeah. am I taking Kyle Filipowski over those guys? I don't know if I would. Yeah, I don't know. I just like I've been seeing him on boards in the mid in, in the mid first round, right? I think I that have. that's like that to. that's like the I feel like that that the Duke thing helps players, even though it didn't really help Derek Whitehead this year, but it helps players in general. Oh, 100 percent. Because you, you get the eyeballs, you get the exposure. Right. So that 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 always helps. Um, But when I'm just evaluating his game, yeah, he scares me a little it, bit. That's the reason why everybody thinks Jason Tatum is so much better than Jalen Brown. It's, it's the Duke <laughs> thing. It's the Duke <laughs> thing. man. I, I will not comment on that. <laughs> um, any other sleepers? I will give you. I will give you. Because you've been sleepers. hyping it up on Twitter, so the people want to hear it. I did hype it up. I'll give you a few sleepers, then I'll give you the guy who I was hyping up on Twitter. So Seth Lundy out of Penn State is a guy who myself and, and Maxwell co-host over at Draft Deeper. We really like a lot. Uh, Landers Nolly. Both of those guys are wings who they can shoot it. They can play defense up to a certain level. And those 3 and D type wings they're always going to get opportunities in, in the NBA. And I truly believe that they, they, they could be legitimate, like two-way type guys that, that you it see. Pretty much goes back to our conversation that there's just the most roster spots for those type of guys. Absolutely. And then, yeah. all right, big sleeper. This is like when Bill Simmons says, Kyle, turn the TikTok camera on. This is, this is a big <laughs> sleeper guy. So Anton Watson okay. out of Gonzaga. When was the last time you heard somebody bring up his name in the NBA draft conversation? Only you, possibly Nathan. never. Only you, Nathan. <laughs> he rates out per synergy in the 94th percentile in terms of total offense, the 86th percentile in terms of total defense. He was getting the toughest defensive assignments, right? When he was playing for Gonzaga this past year, he was guarding the other team's best player consistently. Low volume offensive player, but high level efficiency. A better catch and shoot guy than you would think, rated down the 52nd percentile, 92nd percentile on runners, and 95th percentile scoring at the rim. So this guy has touch, 
He has passing creativity. He has defensive acumen at 12.6 assist percentage, 3.4 steal percentage, two and a half block block percentage, 8.8 box plus minus. Players since 2017 to match his marks in assist percentage, steal percentage, block percentage, box plus minus, and true shooting. Zion, Chris Duarte, and John Conchar. And that's the list. But all three of those guys are NBA players, right? To, to varying degrees, sure, but they're all NBA guys. You heard it here first. Nathan, with the Big sleeper. sleeper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, man, he was talking about it on Twitter, and there you have it. Now you hear it. Nathan, great stuff. Uh, where can we find you? Um, podcast, YouTube, Twitter, anywhere else we can find you, Nathan, talking about the draft. On Twitter, you can always find me at Draft Deeper. You can find all of my work, be it written, be it podcast, via YouTube. You can find all of it through No Ceilings at NoCeilingsNBA.com and through No Ceilings on YouTube, as well as your podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for taking the time, Nathan. It's always fun talking NBA draft with you. You're always welcome back on the show <laughs> and talk soon. And you're always welcome on my show, boss. Take care. Hey, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> There it is. Another episode of Combo's Court is in the books. Big shouts to Nathan for joining in to talk NBA draft with yours truly. Go subscribe to No Ceilings NBA on YouTube for more NBA draft content. Share this episode with a friend. Share it on social media, Twitter, Facebook. Share it on your IG stories. You know you could tag me on there at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M. B-O and be on the lookout for episode 462 combo out.